Something I want to focus on this year is establishing new traditions, and let me tell you why. Everyone who listens to this podcast with us, y'all are like family. I mean, it's really hard to overstate how nerve-wracking it is to veer off in an entirely new direction anywhere, regarding anything. And this podcast was no different. We had no idea if people would care, listen, hate what we're doing, throw tomatoes at us, so to speak. But we're still here doing this because y'all show up, you listen, you care about what we do and say, and you support us like siblings support each other. And if we're going to be a family, that means a few things. It means being serious, but also being silly. It means having in-jokes, and yes, it means having traditions. So now, in what is officially Mocha Live's second year, we want to do things a little more intentionally, have a bit more fun, be more communal, and start some new traditions. On our last episode of 2023, our first ever awards show, we had a lot of fun. I could feel Colburn and myself having fun as we look backwards at the previous year. That's one tradition we'll keep bringing back every year we keep doing the pod. But today's episode is no different. It's the antithesis to our awards show, this episode looking exclusively forward. Today is all about New Year's resolutions for ourselves, Colborn and I, personally and professionally, but also for crypto art as a whole. You know, one of the positives to the space moving as quickly as it does is that it has a tremendous capacity for mighty and rapid change. And that extends to those of us within it as well. As suddenly as royalties evaporated in 2023, positive manifestations can simply appear and will throughout 2024. We ourselves, our minds moving many millions of miles a minute, can do the same. So today begins a few new Mocha Live traditions. New Year's resolution episode, obviously. A tradition of more fun, because if this all isn't fun, then why are we even here? A tradition of community, more engagement, more involvement, a well-lit living room full of old friends. That's what we want this pod to be like. And for me personally, a return to the art, which I'll talk more about later. This is our 58th episode. We'll have a couple more coming before we officially turn one year old on January 20th, and we're changing. It's the first Mocha Live of 2024, my friends, and we are thrilled to have you with us for another knockdown, turnaround, fat lip, black eye, slobber knocker of a year on the Mocha Live podcast. Good evening, everybody. It is 5.01 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in beautiful Brooklyn, New York. It is 2024. First time I've said those words on this podcast. My name is Max Cohen. I will be one of your hosts for this week's episode of the Mocha Live podcast ringing in 2024 with a bang. And nobody I'd rather do it with than my co-host, as always, the founder of the Museum of Crypto Art, Mr. Colborne Bell, Colborne 2024. Uh, welcome to the new year. Welcome to the show. Welcome, everybody. Colborne, what's up? How you doing? I am wonderful. It is great to be here. Happy 2024 to everybody out there listening. Um, we've been out of the loop with each other for like two weeks or so. It seems like it's a pretty quiet, if not quiet in the news sense and I don't know, manic in the 
everyone's daily activity since for the last like two weeks or so. But now as the holidays are kind of wrapped up and we're moving into this new year and everyone's kind of looking forward to what this year is going to be like. Obviously, there were news. There was all this news today about, you know, is the Bitcoin ETF going to be approved? It was, then it wasn't. And then maybe it was crypto, you know, dipped massively this morning. So we are just setting off on 2024 and we are just going for it. But before we start a year that will include, I'm sure, a lot of let's say extreme reactions to the positive and negative. Um, I thought we could just talk today about some resolutions we had for the coming year. Um, And I'm thinking like personal resolutions, professional resolutions, resolutions for all of crypto art. So I think that's what we should do today. Colburn, what do you think? Oh, you know, I'm game. Yeah, there's no, we already prepared a New Year's resolution (laughs) episode. So that was all just a little host magic. So I thought we would start, well, let me ask you, what do you think we should start with? Should we start with our personal New Year's resolutions, our professional resolutions? Yeah, hit me, hit me resolutions? with your personal and let's let's break it down. Okay, cool. Um, this one was the easiest to kind of figure out. It, it's something that I've thought about for a long time, which is just pay more attention to the art that I like. I kind of came to this conclusion after we had a team call the other day, a Mocha team call, and I realized like I don't have a very good understanding of my own like tastes when it comes to the art I like, you know, there's things that I, that like command my attention because they're so different. Um, and I think that's why throughout 2023, I was drawn to these like larger scale performance art pieces. And and maybe it's because there's so much art that I'm being introduced to every moment on Twitter, everywhere. I mean, my attention is scattered into a million different places, but uh, I'm not paying enough attention to what I actually like. I, I'm just gauging that I like something and then kind of moving on. So I, I did a little bit of of thinking about this and, and tried to come up with, well, maybe I do have a sensibility because like I I know that I like art that involves architecture. Um, I love Nacho Fratis, for example, and I've been unabashed in my love for Nacho Fratis. Um, and I really liked, I don't know how to pronounce the name, but Dangerous' work way back um, when I first started here, I I... I was one of the first things that like really blew me away. And I really like bodies. Um, and you kind of, I feel like you kind of get this if you listen to this podcast a lot and I'm constantly talking about people like Violent Bond or Crypto Natrix or Emmy Cusano um, or Utreda, um, you know, where like bodies are just shown to us in new ways and new lights. So anyways, I- I'm still kind of coming together in this kind of cohesive framework of like, what do I like? Um, and I want to, kind of question my own tastes. And I, and I think that this can be extended to everyone because I, I can't imagine I'm alone in this phenomenon where there's just so much stuff and it's hard to stop after you realize you are affected by something and think, why am I affected by it? Colburn, you, I, I've always admired you because you seem to have a really good hold on what your taste is, even if it's a little bit more conceptual. Um, was that easy for you to kind of invent for yourself or realize that you had or uh you know i think that was entirely uh defined and made but the the point that i was going to make and definitely a resolution is to get back outside of the algorithm you know i go back to Mm -hmm. thinking about how i fell into the space and what i really loved and it was because i was doing self-discovery on my own and i was getting on pieces that were overlooked and and might have sat there for years and years um so you know, I think 2023, 
their market, it made me lean, it made me mean, and it made me hungry. <laughs> and I just well like, yeah, and I miss this desire. It, it wasn't, I, I miss like the competition, I think just with myself to uncover, discover, um, go in different places. And I realized how much Twitter X took over um, the the broader conversation and how many games were playing being played in online forums to like engage and enrage and just move opinion. And it's so small because we think we're important in this tiny box, right? But we need the box to grow. So I think less online games, more independent work, uh, get fiercer and, and look for really what is next. Um, do you think, do you think that the avenues, cause and I'm just putting this together. So correct me if I'm wrong from our conversations in the past, you used to, you know, plumb super rare and like what was not being bid on things like that back in, you know, the 2018, 2019 days, if you were looking for new, interesting, unheralded art, how do we do that today? Because a lot of these platforms seem to be pushing the same naturally. And this is not a slight against anyone, you know, got to keep the lights on. The lights get kept on by big sales from big name artists. But how do you go about doing that? Is it looking through exchange art on Solana or object on Tezos or your app of choice, marketplace of choice on Ethereum and just like putting in 15, 20, 30 minutes a day to see if you can find some new things, make some new connections, follow some new people? Yeah, I mean, places I've I've never been, what you mentioned, right? So I'm in the process of building for myself the best that I can, right? Like the best ecosystem, taking all the lessons from everywhere and trying to put that forward. We have a discovery problem, hands down. We also have just a general people buying the things they like. We also have a problem of does this degenerate culture really fit into arts and culture or is everybody kind of just gaming everybody? Um, so I think in that we have we have a trust problem as well. This is why I, I so enjoyed what making it 24-7 was doing last year, because by dropping all these pieces all at once together, you you know, the people who are gonna be reeled in by a Teroldam or an Omentehovim, because they have larger names, larger footprints, they're gonna end up finding a Teji, a Bruno Vistas, um, a Claire Salvo, and like I thought that that was, it's perhaps too egalitarian for everyone in the space to be able to pull off. And it requires, I think, a bit more lengthy like networking. It's difficult. But I, I thought that that was a really interesting paradigm that might help with the discovery problem. Um, and we've talked a lot about like responsibility on the show. But I mean, that is anytime you can get that leverage social lift, especially from other artists who have, you know, built the inroads with an audience. And you say, I fuck with this person, this person fucks with me in this collective. It uh, reputationally, it's going to definitely help and bring you places. Nobody ever in the past seemingly did it on their own. Yeah. In interesting. Oh, let me ask you a question. I, I don't know the answer to when um, first supper, that piece on um, async, async came out. Were those artists, because you look at the artists who were involved in that, and it's like Connie Digital was involved with that, and so was Xcopy. And obviously now someone like Xcopy has a much larger footprint than Connie Digital, despite you know them doing these things at the same time. Even like someone like Josie Bellini is kind of like people die hard for Josie in some circles, but not nearly the 
cultural footprint of a hacker tower or an xcopy today based on like you know post 2021 attention spans like at the time that that came out were those all like the leading you know crypto artists or was it kind of like big and small you know that was right as i was getting into uh what was what was really happening here that was almost a question before me although Mm -hmm. those were you know, prominent names big enough to be invited. It was certainly who was on Conlon's radar at the time, yeah. having spent, you know, the, the amount of time in crypto voxels and in uh, the metaverse there that he asked them to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Josie was at Bitcoin conferences forever. That's where her legacy comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember seeing her at, at Satoshi's roundtable showing off, you know, AR before anybody else. So, you know, that, that is, it's, it's real crypto art for me. Everything now is, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a wash. So it, it definitely has to like clarify, purify. And, you know, that's, that's kind of on us as well. If I asked you today, as opposed to when you started what crypto art is, I bet, you know, that definition can go all over the place. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of the heart of this resolution of mine and probably the, the last I, I'll say of it. But like, I think in the two years since I've been here, the amount of things to pay attention to and the amount of sub movements has only grown. And I have to imagine that in the 2018, 2019 era or earlier, less people, less different directions, less independent bubbles of communication now it's so hard to know what crypto art is because it is at the same time verifiably and legitimately so many different things. And I think that that's why I want to just pay more attention to like, what's getting my goat. What's the through line here for me on an individual aesthetic level. Whereas I think my brain has just been trained because of the allness of everything to be looking at like larger scale things. And I want to get more into the nitty gritty because I, I, I don't do an awesome job of it. So look, imagine it was like, uh, you know, in, in 2020, everybody was being invited into the town square and now Mm -hmm. it feels like everybody has been cast out and kind of sits in their own pods. Everybody looking inwards to figure out what is the thing. Yeah. Um, like lines have been drawn, battle lines have been drawn, factions have been made and it's, it's a lot of, you know, people looking at each other and like kind of like not wanting to support, like maybe knowing too much or, Anyway, I think there's a lot of, is it distrust? Mistrust? Yes. Yeah. Certainly not trust. Whatever, whatever, everything that the opposite of trust is. And and that's, and, 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 and I'm, you know, that's just something we've always dealt with in the museum is, you know, like, I think the artists always love us, but I don't, I, I never figured out why people weren't building you know bridges why we never like worked to build bridges with one another everybody just kind of ran forward with their project and now everybody is left kind of out on the ice all alone Mm. and there's not there's not so much commonality yeah the wrong way towards victory i think you could probably say but also natural in a space that's like loves to talk about how competitive it is and loves to talk about the, I, I think we all, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy at times to talk about how competitive everything is and it makes it more competitive. And cause then we start to buy into how quote unquote competitive it is, but it's um, really individualistic. It wasn't that way that, you know, that was the golden era is, is when people were, there was some commonality and there was 
some like stewardship, common stewardship of the idea. And now is it, it's- Is it individualistic because it has to be or because we've been fed this, n- not by any one person, I but- I think that's just what perceived scarcity does especially when you know when markets are coming down so many you know people rush in you know people take what you know as much as they can and then they head for the exits it would almost be like loot like somebody goes and builds a store and then people just come in and loot it (laughs) sure (laughs) and now we're here like looking you know now there's like empty shelves and everybody's looking at each other like what just happened our our friend philly obi said same in hip-hop and i find that very interesting yeah I'm not sure I can make a cogent or educated opinion on that. Well, maybe that's for another show. Colburn, what's your personal resolution? We spent way too much time on mine. No, that that was that was it. It's just like get leaner, get meaner, get off the algorithm. Oh, that was your resolution: get lean, get mean, get angry. Well, that's what I was. Yeah, and now I have to. You know, that's what I was feeling. I took some time to like sit down and, and like, what was I actually feeling? And it's like, uh, you know, shed the excess, get lean, find direction um and move forward so again just build the products build the tech stack for what i think is the long term you know we did the first blip what is going to be the next blip it's probably not going to be you know pfp jpeg animal pictures so i don't know man (laughs) (laughs) you know we're back in meme coin season again you know we're like now it's like meme coins but different chains it's crazy it's like, how much does history repeat itself in this? Like, and how quickly does history repeat itself? Like, are we just going to do this again and again and again on different chains with slightly different teams? And it's just going to be the same promises, the same art styles. Like, I don't have an answer to that question, but I think it's, um, I think it's more possible today than I did. If you asked me this question two months ago, I'd say there's no way PFP meme coin bullshit all comes back and like dominates everyone's thoughts. And that has just been it's, totally it's upended good. immediately. Yeah, yeah. It's going to have to. This is, you know, this is how it is, I guess. I hope not. It's just it's just total degeneracy. Yeah. Well, I, there's always going to be a place for degeneracy within this whole sphere. I wonder what it looks like. And that's why I'm so interested about the Bitcoin ETF, right? Getting people who are not interested in degeneracy, who are interested in 1% to 2% of their money managed portfolios, having access or you know um, exposure to crypto what happens when i hate using this analogy but like what happens when mom and dad come home what does that do to the degeneracy and the debauchery that we see around us i have no answer for that it might do nothing it might there just might always be this like subculture within larger crypto art within larger cryptocurrency of like gambling degeneracy lunacy just like yeah. a tijuana within the larger sphere <laughs> i mean what about tkzs here we need to think about what it's going to look like in 100 years and they're right you know it's just like these waves of degeneracy again you just kind of capture 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 more people um, this is this is neither here nor there but i uh i'm writing the fake history for a large like fantastical world for just my own project and i'm thinking a lot about like what we remember just on this comment like what do we remember from a hundred years ago? Like how much intrigue do we remember a hundred years ago? hundred years ago was like the teapot dome scandal. You know anything about that? It was like the government, U S government was like licensing out, I believe like native American reservations at like really cheap prices to friends of, I, I, I'm not sure if it was Coolidge or Hoover. One of those mid 19, the 1920s sequence of three presidents, um, 
Harding, Coolidge, Hoover. I, I don't know. Anyways, the point is, th- like over 100 years, things get so flattened, right? I'm, I'm more interested in what's it going to look like five years from now when it's fresh but not too fresh. Like what are the narratives we're going to remember five years from now, you know, 10 years from now? It's just like the the content landscape, the marketing landscape with AI, everything will change. Just the visual aesthetic landscape. And if it's not, if there is no provenance, if it is not authenticated, if there is no history, reputation and pedigree around creators, then what is the value of that imagery? We are inundated, right? It, it takes pretty much nothing to make a hyper compelling image. Uh, and that's part of my, my resolution too, is to continue to like lay around in Photoshop, lay around in some programs, maybe learn some 3D. So I know what it actually takes to, to make and create and kind of what is real and what is bullshit. Because frankly, from a collector side, you, you don't know. And a lot of the times, especially on social media, it might just be like, ooh, look, pretty picture. Well, what does it take? Let's go beneath the surface. Let's dig a little bit deeper. What makes this art? Uh, and what is the intention behind it? Yeah. And look, and at the same time, I love everything that is like fast and immediate and just responds and captures. So uh, the future, the futurist in you comes back out. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, life is about dualities and extremes. So just stay out of the middle, people. Was that your uh, your professional resolution too to like learn more about these technologies? Do you have another one for us? Oh, that one's that one's pretty good. I mean, my my professional resolution is distribution. It's like abundance and distribution. Mm. That's that's it. You know, I, I I want it to like print, stamp, and ship, um, <laughs> and and put all this work in the hands of as many people as possible. Because again, what I think we have is a broad trust problem. Um, and you know, beyond that, I'm going to challenge myself and I'm going to think about what are the benefits of centralized systems? You know, what does it mean to have a creator forward ecosystem uh, where we can protect the rights of the creators in that ecosystem? Because we see in open ecosystems, it's just carnivorous. So there, there needs to be some rule setting and, you know, royalties was a social contract, but it can actually be a, a smart contract that is ingrained in a closed ecosystem. And I think that's really, really important. I think that's important for legacy. I think that's important for rights. I think that's an important reason that people want to create is to kind of preserve and cement that. Um, so I have a couple of things I want to say. First of all, first of all, uh, shout out Andre Siegelboim for hanging out with us in the chat. I was thinking about Andres. With... I was thinking about you, Andres. What's up, Andres? We were thinking about you. Yeah. Um, the other thing I, I wanted to say on, on the royalty thing is that I've seen this as a powerful reason why so many artists are moving to Solana is that royalties can be enforced on chain there. Um, at least with I, I, Metaplex is the name of the program that is used to host or mint a lot of these pieces and it seems like royalties can be enforced on chain i'm not sure if that's true or not but i've at least seen that discourse maybe it's just on exchange.art which is like the dominant art platform on solana um but worth looking into i what you're yeah, i would just is, say like yeah. go forth be fruitful and multiply like go everywhere so those you know, wild as, oats young man yeah as, as much as as much as i love it 
Uh, I know I can't be everywhere. And as much as some people love it, there are maxis on certain chains and, you know, there's people building on certain chains and, you know, ubiquity is, is there's, there's no, there's no room for scarcity anymore. It's ubiquity. I think this is another good point from TKZS. Like in the future, everything is going to be a screen. Everybody's going to be jacked in, you know, everything is already a screen. I mean, you've seen that meme where it's like, I can't wait to be done with work looking at bad screens so I can go sit on the couch and look at good screen. Right. Like that's, it's just, it's for me, I wake up, I look at my phone and then I, you know, maybe read a book for an hour, but then it's back to the computer all day. And once I'm done with the computer, I'm sitting in front of the TV. It is screen to screen to screen. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you know, we want to be transported and, and taken away from, from what we don't really know. Uh, oh, I want to say one more thing. And this responds yeah. to what, um, uh, Niels Brosat, I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name, just said in the chat about royalties, they could be part of crypto culture as well, like norms of the space. And I think about probably too much the dichotomy between Confucianism and legalism, um, as in, and I'm probably going to get this wrong. So if we have any like um, ancient Chinese historians out there, please correct me. But my understanding of these two dueling political philosophies was legalists inherently believe people are bad and that people need to be regulated by hard and fast laws. Otherwise, they're not going to keep in line. The Confucianist line of thinking was that people are inherently good. And if social pressures exist towards this or that um, kind of action, people will fall in line because it's so culturally unacceptable and people want to be accepted culturally, socially. Um, and I think about that a lot with royalties and how if there's an abdication by entities like Blur and OpenSea, who we all kind of uniformly hate of their responsibility to safeguard things like royalties, which individually, I think we are all super in favor of, like, how do we collectively exert enough pressure or cultural, with the pressure of a cultural norm to preserve something like that? No answer. Just, I, I think about that a lot. And thanks to Niels for uh, making me think about that. Should I go on to my professional resolution? Yes, please. Okay. MaxCon's professional resolution for the new year, 2024. Um, I want to have more artists on the podcast than we have in the past because, and I mentioned this a little bit, this goes in my personal one, but like we do a really good job and I'm not ashamed to say that and maybe like the best job in the space of like discussing context, larger culture, but I think we do a really bad job of taking the artist perspective and digging into like the aesthetic aspects of how things are evolving. So, I, I mean, I was just, I was writing this and I was on Twitter and two people who, um, shout out to me is like people I'd love to have on to hear their opinions on like the art itself are uh, Diane Lindo and Panther Gita because they're like these, so many of these artists uniquely positioned with thematics and, and aesthetics to talk about like the way aesthetics are changing from a boots on the ground viewpoint, which me not being an artist and you not being an artist, it's really hard to, I mean, you're an artist more than I am, but like, I don't think we're, I don't think our first identifier would be capital A artists in the way that like real artists not real artists. Anyways, you get my meaning. Um, and I, I just, I want to know more what artists are seeing, thinking, feeling, because I think I've been neglecting that part of crypto art, which was something I really wanted to not do when I first started here and kind of lost the thread. Um, you know, I don't want this ever to become like a traditional interview show where it's like, Hey, tell me about your process, your influences, your story. Cause that stuff bores me. Um, for the most part, no offense to anyone doing it or any artists with incredible processes, influences, and stories. But like there is underneath this undercurrent of culture is broadly changing aesthetics. And I'd love to know from people who talk, who, who like know aesthetics and live aesthetics, what they see 
happening. So that is my very specific uh, New Year's resolution. I mean, shout out Di and Linda. I, I yeah. haven't seen anything. I haven't seen really anything like their work. I've seen one um, Beatrice Ramos piece that makes use of stop motion. The one we yeah, have in the yeah. museum, pink plus pink. Yeah. But otherwise, in terms of like tone, mood, like mastery I mean, that, that is, form. That is wild. Yeah. Stop super, motion. Wild work. Diane, we want you on the show. Yeah, Diane, Stop. come on the show. If anybody knows Diane, please connect I know us. know Diane. Oh. Colborn, will you please connect us? <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. I'll, I'm yeah, happy to I ask. Mean, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that we, we talk all the time about the importance of curation and criticism of the space, but I think we collectively, those of us that do this kind of work, perhaps because as you said, like, I don't have a technical backing in, you know, what's good 3D blender art versus what's subpar 3D blender art. It's hard for me to talk with any kind of authority or interest about the, the art itself and like how the art changes and how individual careers are changing and how that's changing other careers. You know what I mean? I mean, look at you. That was a large, large part of the reason, again, why I'm building what I'm building. And what I learned from the artists is that when prices were not so expensive the artist could collect from other artists and then you really begin to see you know what people are excited about who is pushing who what is pushing the envelope and if we don't have that if we don't have the artist vouching for the other artists if they're not like creating and sharing work and putting it into each other's hands then that i think is the greatest missed opportunity of all of this is you know i would love to see people doing more art swaps or figuring out ways to you know just trade with other artists build your own collection that's what so many people were you know like cold knee robness matt kane incredible eye you know the aesthetics like you you have a vision for what this space can be and that gets incorporated into a collection now you know the the saddest part of most of this is and there's no expectation that they should but there are incredible collections out there really like unspoken of not looked into, nobody's interrogated these people. And maybe that's something we should do. Maybe we should go to these incredible collectors and who are artists and, and say like, let's go into your collection. Um, why did you collect these things? What were you seeing at this time? Mm -hmm. Because there is, there is a lot of like latent history there, unexplored. And we're connected in this way. I mean, I, I wrote about this when I was talking about like um, the traditional art dealers versus people in the space, but like collectors in the space have so much. Not, I mean, everything they do is open, which is one like bizarre and totally new facet to art collection, which is never around before. Information is public, but like just your ability to like connect with individuals. Yeah, it, it, it is really interesting. Um, I wanted to have more. Uh, we briefly kicked this around thanks to Shivani um, for this idea, but having more like marketplace founders on as well. So I think some combination of that, where it's like talking to people who run these platforms, talking to artists who are minting on these platforms and dealing with aesthetics and influence in the space, dealing with collectors. This is a little bit of a digression, but nobody, you know, I made the graphic for this week's podcast and said bonus points to anyone who could source it and nobody got it, which was disappointing, but it was from Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, an anime that I just ate up and absolutely loved. And it's interesting, like it's hard to describe the feeling of like getting influenced in real time by new art that you're intaking. But like, as I work on my own, you know, weird fiction projects on the side, like I, you, 
do find yourself like, oh, that's a good idea. I should steal that or adapt that. Oh, that's a good idea. Like that'll slot into this thing that I couldn't figure out before. I do think we underestimate the power of that in the space that like simply by showing people your art, you are going to affect their art. Um, maybe because all the nodes of this network are way too vast and many in order to like really quantify like who's being influenced by what. But I really like that point about like more artists collecting more art but and and using that as a way to understand one's own like aesthetic evolution yeah i mean these these things are important incredibly important time capsules you know everybody who has spotify is stuck there right because you build this long thing of just songs you love over your your life and uh that is incredibly sticky because it reminds you of who you are currently who you were and where you want to be like this, these emergent sound, these emergent themes, you know, I go back and I look at the work that I've been creating and I start to see like influences of, of video games and like emergent AI things. And so it, it helps me begin to, again, get more intentional about what I want to explore. Um, you know, I see early internet and, and who I was and this is, it's, it's so compelling as just an internal psychological washing machine. Yeah. And people like, um, like Searlight does this a lot. Oh, like DK, DK, DK motion. motion, like the effect of their like nostalgia is so strong on their works and they regularly like make incredible and like vast impressions on so many people. And, I, and just like that kind of referential, to shared youth pop art aesthetic is so profound in the space and it's probably for reasons like that yeah anyways let's move on to the last part of our resolution show today which is resolutions for crypto art itself you want me to go first or would you like to go first yeah yeah go go first no, okay that was riff. actually a trick question i have two nice so i'll go Maybe i can have you one can go. <laughs> you, you, I'll, I'll give you one do, right, do you no, want one of mine yeah so, it's gonna just uh, so something I want to see crypto art do more is like, it's funny, you know, I didn't realize that we were going to end up just retracing old ground on each of these, but the conversations, it always circles back to itself because the thing I wrote down was I want to see crypto art fight for its own values more, which I think requires us to redefine what our collective values are, because of course they've changed since the early days. I do not necessarily think that just because something was integral to crypto art, like a value set integral to crypto art in 2018 or 2019 means that it should be or needs to be today. And I think that when we individually define our own values, right? Like what makes us tick, what pisses us off, what are what are the fights worth fighting over? What aesthetics are we interested in? The, the royalty thing is, is a perfect example. Um, like what do we collectively believe in right now? We're only gonna find that out if we all individually interrogate ourselves as to what we believe in. Um, but again, like, you know, the Bitcoin ETF thing, like that's coming a lot more people who do not share crypto arts values are going to at least have eyes on what we're doing here. So you have this whole new wave of different minds, corporate interests, perspectives. I think that crypto art just needs to do a better job of understanding right now what it's about. I'm not sure how we get there other than continuing to have conversations like these engaging with each other. But I think it's just more about like paying more attention to what we're seeing, what we're feeling, what we're thinking, what things are making us think, feel, see, et cetera. And, and, and asking ourselves why passive active work. Yeah. I, I resonate with a lot of that. I think I wrote at some point that, 
you know, crypto artists become the evangelists for the way, you know, almost like the, the new economic system and order, right? So you are pulling out, uh, you know, the symbols, the ideologies, what does it mean to redefine the currency? What is the legacy of the United States on the world? What does it mean that the global reserve currency is US dollar? What does it mean to, these are deeply economic questions. A lot of the time, you know, they might not necessarily have to do with art, but of course it was during the cold war where the US, the CIA took the artists and made it like the definitive art style to export the culture that was happening in America at the time, say that this is superior. Well, it's almost like taking that back uh, and saying, no, you know, the, the world is for the world and we exist in this like digital neosphere in which we all come together. We blend these ideas and we put forth like the new art, which, you know, we can call it crypto art. We can call it digital art. It doesn't really matter. It's the fact that there is now a, an, uh, an overriding global collective conscious that sits atop a new monetary and value system and all of these need to look and identify the values go into that dark place in the future and communicate it backwards to people of the present so we can get there faster and i was going to make this on your nostalgia point there is something incredible about like going back and saying these are the memories we had but i i am going to be really uh resolved and affirmed about where we are going. I think it's pretty interesting that, you know, like Steamboat Willie was made uh, public domain and so many people took took that. Um, and I think, you know, it's a, it's, you know, that's where we were like going then, but what is the, the, you know, the new boat of, the future what is the new iconography that is going to you know speak to the next hundred years and we really got we i think i think we got to tap into that energy that's a good point you know I, like it, it, 2019 to 2021 was all about digital scarcity and now now we gotta you know it was about kind of defining ip laying the groundwork and now some people are really going to blow it out of the water say the thing say say <laughs> say, say rabbit abundance Ra what is radical abundance radical abundance not rabbit radical abundance rabbit abundance it. create and distribute rapidly before the before the ai does it for you if anyone can make that meme the bart simpson meme where someone turns around is like bart say it bart say it and he's like <laughs> sadly like radical abundance and then the whole crowd cheers uh i could i could do that while we're on this maybe yeah, but let's let, let's let someone else have some fun for once this is, this is a this you already put out your zero participatory show. I know I'm so bummed. <laughs> Colvin, what is your um, crypto art resolution for this year? Mike, I just said it. Did I not? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, even, you never I even you, forget you never what like, I said. You never like announce it. It's just always I, like that. Up. That uh, that the, the the crypto artists rise up and identify and invoke. Overthrow the wild spirits of a futuristic time. I think we are in a period of great transition. You know, I look to myself in the middle of kind of my life and, 
you know, here we are kind of on the, the fence post of what the world was like before the internet and what it's going to be like afterwards approaching the singularity, approaching all these crazy medical advances. And, you know, the world seems to be sitting and splitting in two. And I just want to, you know, shed, I just want to shed so much of what came before and begin to write new rules, more fair rules, a more egalitarian structure, which the world can participate in. So where's the limit between like forgetting where we came from and like moving past it? It's, it's already there. It's in the system. We have to like move through it. You know, it, it just mm. still exists, whether energetically, institutionally, but all of that is, is a bad legacy. In my opinion, mm. it was only meant to hold people back. Uh, I, there was a wonderful, wonderful new Vitalik article uh, that I recommend people go read. Shout out Vitalik, come on the podcast. <laughs> that invitation style hasn't worked yet, but maybe this will be the first. We know you're listening. Do you think the legacy of crypto art today, if we were to like put crypto art as a whole from beginning to now in a box and say like, what is the legacy of this thing? Do you think it's that it's the innovations that were created at the beginning, or do you think it's the abdication of those? No, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's Board Ape Yacht Club. I think realistically you go ask people what it is and it's, you know, it's monkey pictures on Jimmy Kimmel. Mm. Uh, and that was our moment in the sun. Right. And that was like the culture tending toward the mediocrity of the moment. Right. So, you know, we did a moonshot, we got sucked back down to earth. You know, it's, you know, you know what is like a great, and this is so stupid, but I don't know if you've seen the Simpsons where Homer goes into space and then, you know, he saves everybody on the space shuttle by like jamming this rod through this door that was shaking on re-entry. And then, you know, they, they come back and then they throw a, a parade, not for Homer, but for the rod that saves everybody. <laughs> so it's kind of, it kind of like makes me feel like that, you know, that, you know, at the end of the day, we're just celebrating the rod, not the actual people who, who went to space. Interesting. I needed some more time to unpack that and find parallels. Yeah, that's so absolutely hilarious. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to hit you with my last pseudo resolution for crypto art for the year, uh, which should come as no surprise to people that listen to me or listen to this podcast, but I just want more conceptual art in general. Um, the art which hit me the hardest in 2023 was that which was not confined necessarily to a frame or to one frame. You know, there's a reason that people are still talking about Sam Spratt's monument game and the narrative that came out of that. There's a reason people are still talking about Matt Cain's contractual obligations narrative. You know, this kind of like community involvement, high stakes, higher stakes, broader intrigue. And I want to answer a question of how can that be achieved by more artists who have more limited means or less attention, right? That feels really important to me because if we can answer that question, it opens up what is to me the most interesting part of crypto art right now, these layered multifaceted kind of multimedia performances that include art, but are not, or include visual art, but are not necessarily relegated to just visual art. I want to know how we can make that more accessible to more people. 
and I don't have, like everything else, I don't have an answer yet, but I think if you can unlock that, you can do, you can really provide a, a, a spark in the imaginations of a lot of artists. Maybe if we decide to do a fundraiser again, instead of asking people to submit, you know, in a square, we should ask them to submit like a self-portrait and then we should do one of those like school photos where everybody is kind of lined up. I love the idea of, again, trying to continue to facilitate the largest collaborative thing where everybody is represented um, because that is the power of this, this medium is being mm -hmm. able to kind of compose and create digitally. I think if anything, you know, we, we've been great, like so super proud of it for just like continuing to try and bring people together, you know, in the little way that like we could with just like the, the Stella Bell dystopia utopia show. I think everything we're talking about is really just, you know, we got to return to that. We got to return to what does it mean to come together, to build together, to show work together, uh, to create together. I haven't seen a, a collaborative work from two artists in what feels like years. Mm. And that blows my mind. I think the last one I saw was Pan Panther Cheetah and Die With The Most Likes. And that was a while ago. WG Meets was doing some zero one collaborations with people, but again, like it's so That's few and far true. between. Like, yeah, it, it's few and far between because the incentives don't seem to be there on a large scale. But but collectors need collectors need that. We need to see that the artists are coming together. That it's like I want to do this with this person. I and that goes back to my point in the beginning. Is is you know, in the beginning when there was like some cohesion, everybody got ripped kind of apart back into, and it felt like there was, you know, everybody had a piece of the puzzle, but it's, I don't have the, the same closeness and relationships um, as I did then. It feels like, it just feels like there's a, a lack of cohesion. People. But I think, so, so like the market, right, the attention market is not, does not believe that the whole is more than the sum of its parts, right? Because our individual reaches overlap so much in terms of who's paying attention to us. So if that's not there for artists, then the reason, the best reason for artists to collaborate, I would have to imagine, I don't want to speak for anyone is for some aesthetic or thematic reason, but it's hard to figure that out. If we're not again, back to my original point on trying to understand on a really nitty gritty specific level, what's making us tick, what's pissing us off, what we want to explore in our own work, um, what we like, what we don't like. And, I don't think we just do enough of that in general. Um, and we're certainly not vocal enough about it. You know, there are certain people that like, like I'm trying to make a concerted effort. This is small and stupid and I don't want any congratulations for it, but like, I'm trying to make a concerted effort to like just retweet art that I like when I see it, that's going to allow me to go back and see in the future what I liked. It's not going to, I don't, I'm not necessarily in the position to like reach out to people and be like, Hey, really love your work. Like this for x y and z reasons i'm not in a position to necessarily write about it but just like i want to see more sharing of other people's work and then that's going to just again help us recognize what we are individually about and then from there it's like oh i really like i don't know i like this like you know kind of anime -y, pop arty aesthetic maybe i should try and include in my own work someone who's really good at that Sweet idea. uh that sounds like a good idea Colbert, any last words before I do our little read and then? No, I mean, I, I love this new format where we get interaction during the conversation. That's super cool. Thank you for everybody that showed up and joined us. Yeah. Sh shout out Restream for Restream automatically starts a Twitter space where people can talk to us, which is sweet. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you, Restream, and thank you everyone for being here with us. This has been another episode, the first 2024 episode of the Mocha Live podcast. Uh, if you like what you heard or want to support us, please give us a five-star rating, a review, a like, a favorite, whatever it's called on your preferred uh, podcast listening app of choice. You can also collect this episode and all other episodes of this podcast on Zora. Um, just go and you'll find us somehow. We have a newsletter that is just starting to ramp up back again for 2024. You can find that on our Substack at museumofcrypto.substack.com. My name is Max Cohen. His name's Colborn Bell, and this has been the Mocha Live Podcast. Thank you once again, everyone, for being here with us, and we look forward to having you with us for the rest of 2024. So long. See ya. This podcast was edited and produced by me, Max Cohen. Thanks to Colborn Bell for his always excellent co-hosting. Thanks to Julian Brangold for composing our intro music and to Dayfox for our cold open theme. As always, however, our biggest thanks is to all of you listening. We hope you had a good time with us, and we'll be back next week with another Mocha Live podcast. So long.